are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Monday, February 12th edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, writer and editor at LeBron Wire, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian, and your host here of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a little bit of a different episode for you today. The Blazers lost last night to the Utah Jazz, but I was a guest on the Holy Backboard podcast with my boys Dustin and Sage. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, had a, a nice chat for about an hour. So, uh, just wanted to give you a little bit of a programming note. This is not going to be your typical lockdown Blazers, but we do go in depth on the game last night, where the team is, where they can go in the future. Uh, good kind of all around discussion. And also talked a little bit about Dame's 50 point game on Friday. So uh, that is going to be our episode for today. So I uh, hope you all enjoy and you can subscribe to the Holy Backboard podcast wherever you can find podcasts and uh, you can keep it locked here as the Blazers have a couple of days off before they face the Golden State Warriors and we also gave a prediction uh, at, at the tail end of this one. So I uh, hope you all enjoy and we'll catch you later. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 106th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling in snowy southern Oregon. And you know what? I was driving, and it started snowing like a like a motherfucker. And I'm just so upset on my drive back home, man. Yeah, we, we start cursing pretty pretty quick. Yeah, well, um, uh, well yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, you know, it's an lob after dark for me, so you know, I, I'm just happy to to have to have some people to talk to tonight, uh, and and also excited to be on your guys's podcast as well. Uh, some of the so best, for, you guys got the best uh, art of any Blazers podcast, I think. Shout out to the man Evan M for hooking us up with some dope content, and if you haven't. Her, if you don't know who that voice is, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Gunderson from the Locked On Blazers podcast. How you doing, bud? Dude, pretty good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited that I get to post this on the Locked On Blazers feed. Excited to have you guys as guests on my podcast, even though I'm really just a guest on your podcast. And I don't want to make another podcast. Uh, but, super friends. Yeah, the super, super friends. friends. This, yeah. Is, this is the Blazers. Yeah, this is the Blazers pod listener collector's item that like in like 10 years when, you know, we're like, you know, starting to gray a little bit. It's like, you know, we can. Uh, oh, you. Oh, yeah. You're already. Are rapping. you already Greg? You old fart. I'm just saying I've been gray probably <laughs> for the past like five or six years. I got the God silver box. Damn, it's start, it's coming in uh, salt and pepper all day. All I'm just saying is that the like the, the Blazers podcast hype beasts in the future are going to be like, yo, do you remember that episode of Lockdown Blazers and Holy Backboard? Like, yeah, it's, dog. it's like it, it's like the Supreme Collabro, bro. Yeah, it, yeah. Is like, this like the champion Supreme collab? <laughs> yes, this is exactly like the Champion Supreme collab. Yes, 
Oh, can I ask, are you wearing a Houston Rockets World Championships t-shirt? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I had this, so Carl Herrera is the first Venezuelan NBA player to ever uh, grace the, the NBA court, and he was on the Houston Rockets, so my family, because of that, became like bandwagon Houston Rockets fans, and I think my uncle, my tío José, bought this shirt. And then he just kind of – it was just laying around. And I was just like, why is this shirt just laying around? Like, this is a great shirt. Why Why? why is no one wearing this shirt? And so People I'm not, of color are taking over this podcast, Dustin. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I also just got Bassy on my lap, so I think it's going to be a pretty fire episode. And this may hurt some Blazer fans' uh, – feelings i really really love the 95 rockets mostly because drexler joined them mid-season and at the time i was like nine or ten years old and i kind of fucked with clyde more than anything at the time because he was like my childhood idol but that team the six seed the the mariwelli kiss of death hakeem just absolutely shattering all of david robinson's dreams in game one of that western conference finals the nick anderson missed free throws i mean that that title run might be the most underrated i think in the past 25 30 years i think they get slept on they were also the sixth seat is that the lowest seed to ever win a championship yeah i'm pretty sure it was the lowest seed to ever like like that that would never happen like in, in this day and age like I mean, it'd be cool if the Blazers got the 60 won the championship, sure. But, like, I don't see, you know, the the Bucks winning the title or something like that. You know, like, it, it just, yeah, no, it was a really underrated. And it was a repeat, too, for, for Hakeem. So that kind of, like, made him, like, a, a legend. And he beat Shaq. Like, there's a lot of uh, great stories on that team so yeah no i yeah those those rockets teams were cool but anyway yeah, yeah. i've had the shirt for a while and i wear it sometimes because uh, i i just like the shirt and i those were great teams yep exactly that actually you mentioned hakeem repeating and uh beating not only Shaq but david robinson and charles barkley i was that was one of my was probably four or five years into the league watching watching the game his performance that year solidified Hakeem to me as the greatest center of all time. Like if I'm starting a team with his footwork, his defense, his passing, his agility, I'm starting with Hakeem Olajuwon because I think he is one of the few um, previous legends that would still kill it in today's NBA. Like I, I think he's transcendent. I bet he would, knowing what all the teams know now about shooting threes and stuff like that, I bet he would have been a fine three-point shooter if, mm-hmm. like, teams had emphasized that because he could literally do anything on the court. Mm-hmm. That was what he was so amazing about Hakeem. I, Embiid, I think, is, like, the ev- the, the evolution if he can stay healthy. He's the closest I think we've seen. But even Embiid isn't as fluid as, no. as Olajuwon was. But moving on to the trailblazers and someone who is not as fluid as Hakeem, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit because Portland drops, Portland drops, uh, a crucial game to the Utah jazz one fifteen to 96. Nurk was basically MIA in 14 minutes of action. Yeah. He had the uh, sore low back, but even when he was in there, he, it was like we were playing four on five, zero points, three boards, two assists, Completely got outplayed by Rudy Gobert and Portland. The trade deadline has passed. 
they are stuck with him. They either have to match or go out and, and uh, or let him go. And I think if you're the Trailblazers and their fans, that's to me is the scariest proposition of this entire offseason. Yeah, I mean it. It I guess it only takes one team to to put them in a bad spot. So I guess that's where you could, you know, be scared. But I, I it is a little bit different now that I don't think. Teams might have space and they might sign him to an offer, but it's not going to be, I don't think, like crap, where no. they're going to be giving him an insane amount of money year over year. Like I I, I was listening to uh, an ESPN podcast and Brian Windhorst was talking about the Blazers situation. And he was saying you have a situation with the Blazers where Yusuf Nurkic could easily be making less money than his backup. Like, like it, the market is like so crunched that like, I mean, I don't, I guess it's not the worst risk, you know, like, like it's not, I mean, it is scary, but at the, I don't think it's actually going to be that scary. Like, I, I think it's going to be kind of, oh, wow, the Blazers got Nurkic for, you know, nine million a year or something. Like, I just, I, I don't think. I don't, and I don't. He hasn't performed well enough either to like get a max from anybody, like, or or even close to it. Like I just don't. I don't know. That that that's my like. I am scared about it, and it sucks that they couldn't trade him and get something else for him. But if like, if you look at it from the standpoint that he plays good defense, he probably isn't going to command that much money, and he's still really young, even though he's inconsistent. Like. You could do a lot worse. And, and, and like, I, I don't know if necessarily, like, DeAndre would have been, like, a better situation to improve the team. Because I don't see DeAndre getting much better. I mean, we yeah. could have been stuck with Mason Plumley, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a little bit more reassured knowing that the market will be crunched. Hopefully the Lou Williams contract is, is evidence uh, of that coming forth in, in July. My concern is more we're relying on this guy to be our third best player. And I, I have just yeah. been so disappointed in his overall performance this year. He's slimmed down. He's, he's been relatively healthy, but Sage, me and you were texting during the game. I was at the game. You were watching it from home. And you could tell from the jump he uh, he had no desire to play tonight. No, nah, none at all, man. He basically quit on the squad. I mean, he picked up fouls real quick. Wasn't effective. Do you think Do you think it was the Rudy Gobert factor got in his head a little bit? Because I would assume that Rudy would be the type of guy that would get Nurk hyped for this game. Like, he's a Euro guy. His, he the narrative on him is crazy. Like he's the, he's a great defender, but he didn't really show up. And that was kind of confusing to me. Cause I would assume this is, this is a nerd game for him to, you know, show the, show the haters that he actually is a good basketball player. Yeah. And it wasn't, I, I can't put the entire entirety of the loss on Nurkic. I think really everyone outside of probably Damian Lillard and Ed Davis are, are at fault. Like no one showed up to play. Aminu scores eight of our first 13 points. Doesn't score the rest of the night. Uh, Mo Harkless starts for, I think the fourth straight game, really underwhelming. Same. I mean, Evan Turner does nothing off the bench. CJ at 22, a lot of it in garbage time. Uh, it just seemed like the team, 
they go up 11 and Utah Joe Ingles kind of catches fire and we just don't adjust. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves with Terry Stotts is if you run something enough, he's just going to keep letting you do it. It's like, we've never seen how to defend a pick and roll. I would have preferred that we, um, executed the strategy the Clippers tried to do against us in the playoffs a couple of years ago, where they doubled the ball handler high out on the perimeter, making basically blowing up the play. We kind of let their ball handler Donovan Mitchell and most of, of the scenarios really dictate the pace and the tempo. And we were so afraid of that lob to go bear that by the time the, whether it was Nurkic or Ed Davis realized the ball wasn't going up, uh, Don Mitchell put two in the paint. Like we got killed in the paint. We got killed on the glass. Um, I was telling Olga while we were watching the game, like we're getting murdered on the hustle board. Uh, you should never lose the hustle board rebounds, you know, steals and blocks on yeah. your home court, especially when uh, you're looking for your 10th straight victory at home. Yeah, no, you can't No, lo- Yeah. You can't lose on the hustle board, especially when you're at home. And also, yeah, they didn't, they started to do that strategy when there was like six minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. Like they just start, like they started doubling Mitchell and getting the ball out of his hands and making somebody else beat them. And it kind of worked. Like they kind of got close, but then it was just like, they were, it was like a little too late to do that. And, you know, Ingles did have a big night. Uh, and I, you know, the jazz have been, you know, it's not they've been great. Doing really well. They've been, I mean, they've beaten Toronto golden state, on this and and those are two teams like those might be the two best teams in the league like i i mean i mean those guys like those guys are extremely good and so the the utah is kind of hot right now and it, it, it was nice for them to have gobert but nurkic is is really yeah he's been inconsistent he hasn't been the third best player and i think maybe it's it's time you know maybe maybe we shouldn't think of him like that anymore yeah, you, I, know, I think, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, he, I think he just need you need to think about him as like he could be a really nice role player. Mm. Like he can set good screens. He can get Dame open on the pick and roll. He's a pretty good passer, but he's not the best scorer. And he's super inconsistent. He kind of he's like a worse to me. He reminds me of like a like a less f- ferocious version of like Whiteside because like he has like that like moodiness and like game to game where you wonder how much he cares about it on a game on a nightly basis. And I don't, it's a good thing that he's a free agent now Mm. than if he was a free agent two years ago or last year, you know, it, it is a little bit better for the Blazers in that respect. And if you get him at, you know, I think you have to start. Yeah. I think the thing that I think I've started to do, and I think more, not necessarily putting it on him because it's not going to happen this year, but I think maybe the guy on the roster that we have to hope, I think that can be that like third best player, like star level, star level guy is Collins. Like I think I think that's kind of the biggest hope on the roster because like I'm pretty sure everybody else on here kind of is who they are. Like Harkless, Har- Harkless is Harkless, man. Like you saw it tonight. He had a couple great games and then he just I think he's like Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Like and that's fine. Like th- there's a place in the league for guys like Jeff Green, but you he's you, we can't expect Harkless to be the third best player on this team. Like, I, well, yeah, I th- yeah. Sorry. I, I think it's just a bummer that like 
the narrative that like the the Blazers said, I mean, that we hyped up the hype night is that like all fans did with like Nurk's gonna be that third consistent guy and to go from you know, we could we could we could challenge whoever with a healthy and motivate uh, healthy Nurk to yeah, he's a pretty nice role player is a humongous bummer. I mean, I think mo yeah, it's it's true, but I mean, he's not like he's not Porzingis, he's not Towns, like he's not one of these guys that like is going to like he can carry you offensively. Like he just can't do that. He's a great defensive player. Like Portland would not be where they are without Nurkic. Like his defense has been phenomenal this year. Like that is the one area he's been consistent in. But if, if if you're talking about like when we're talking about stars, like you have to be like Gobert level defensively to really be like a star on defense. Mm. And Nurkic is great, but he's not quite that level. But he's and his offense is just not there. Like it's just not he's just not good enough. Like his post ups are just like they're just a waste of time. I feel like they're prayers. <laughs> I mean, like the footwork, he gets open shots and then just flings it. So it, it's it, it's weird watching him, man. He is he is a very interesting player to like watch because some nights he'll just be the most dominant player on the floor, and then other nights where he'll just foul, get two fouls, and be on the bench for half. So if we're hoping Zach Collins is that third player, potential star in the league in due time tonight's game was a punch in the gut because you're watching Donovan Mitchell, a player Portland could have drafted a player. <laughs> yeah. Damian yeah. Lillard. Well, yeah. Wanted Portland to draft absolutely obliterate our defense all over the court on, um, on the defensive side of the ball for Utah, 27 points, uh, six boards, just an absolute menace controlling the game. Uh, a true combo guard in the sense that he can play some point guard. He has the handles and he's got a, a mean, mean handle. And you look at Zach Collins on the other end. Yes. He's not as ready to play as Donovan Mitchell. I don't think anybody would have said that coming out of the draft, but the two are almost at opposite ends of the spectrum. Zach Collins had one attempt where he just went up so weak. I almost lost it. It's one thing if you're going to miss a shot, but I need to see the kid try and dunk it. He just kind of looks scared sometimes. And other times he looks fearless. And I guess that's to be expected from, uh, he just turned 20, I think, but it's, it's a hard sell for me to, to say that Zach Collins is going to be that, that third guy. I think he's going to be nice. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star and it, it's, it's tough because there was a guy right there that, that Portland could have had. And, opens up the, the scenarios to, okay, we can maybe look at moving CJ to balance out the roster because you have a Donovan Mitchell. And it just kind of seems like, I don't know if this collection of, of talent on the Blazers is, is really ever going to work. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, no, I, I definitely get the questions and, and I totally get Mitchell. Uh, I was totally about potentially drafting him before the draft. Uh, I still talk about it with one of my buddies, Chad, who, came on the podcast with me and we talked about how much we would like Donovan Mitchell because he's a really he has that long wingspan on defense and we were more I was more into him for his defensive potential I did not think that he was going to be like this good of an offensive player but I was more into him for the fact that he could play really good defense was long arms he's pretty strong 
Uh, yeah, no, it definitely sucked to see Donovan Mitchell. I mean, but that's this is Donovan Mitchell all season. I mean, he he should be the rookie of the year. Yeah, he's absolutely, absolutely. especially if if Utah sneaks into the playoffs. I mean, I think he's got to like to do that in the West. I mean, I know the West isn't quite as like amazing as compared to the East anymore. The conference is kind of balanced out, but. Uh, yeah, no, he's really good. I mean, Collins, the, the thing about Collins that I do really like is that he's kind of the archetypal fit for the center that you want with Dame mm-hmm. and CJ. Like, he is a really good dirty work guy. He's a pretty low usage guy. Like, he doesn't take a ton of shots. He can space the floor. He's a good playmaker. He can do, like, little bits of everything. And he has really good defensive instincts. Like, it, it's rare for a guy that young to, like, already know, like, where to be. He reads plays before they kind of happen. I know that a lot of people wanted the Blazers to take Jordan Bell. But Collins, <laughs> but Collins, Collins is – he's taller than Bell. He has may not be the leaper that Bell is in terms of like and have like the timing to block shots, but he knows where to be. He can read offenses already pretty well and like get to the right spot. And he has the potential to be a much better offensive player. You know, like like he can shoot threes already. He's pretty confident with his shot. And if he can do anything inside the paint, you know, that's that's that would be great. And he can already kind of dribble a little bit. It's not like with Myers where Myers could shoot threes, but then once teams asked him to put the ball on the ground, it was, you know, he would have to pick his dribble up and had to, you know, turn around and find some help. Like Collins, Collins looks comfortable doing other stuff already at 20. Mm. And I think the fact that he's getting minutes at this age is really encouraging. And I think, if they, you know, I think if they reach a point where they say they look at Nurkic and they say well, that number's too high, I think Zach Collins is the the reason why. Do you think he can play five long term, or is he better suited playing the, the four? Oh, I think he tell, in, in today's game. I think he could play the five. He's got to put on some muscle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, he's young, man. I mean, like you know, and I think kind of like. I mean, Porzingis is a guy I was thinking about. Obviously, he's not like that level of player, but like Porzingis had another had Robin Lopez, you know, for his first year in the league, had another center there when he wasn't ready. But now he's a center. Like that's yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis had Robin Lopez to star. He has Boogie Cousins. Yeah, now he's playing the center. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, Davis doesn't like playing center. Oh hell no, he does not but, like playing center. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean. How many bigs in this day and age of the NBA would bully Zach in the post? I don't know how many there are. Yeah, I mean, a couple. Like, and with those. How, how, yeah, yeah. Who are those guys, though? Like Cousins? Gasol? Yeah. I mean, Gasol steps out to the three now. Like, I mean, like all these guys now, it's not like anyone's really like banging down. Like LaMarcus might be the only one that's really like a true back to the basket player. And if we face one of those beastly centers, if we re-sign Nurkic, Nurkic can handle that and Zach can slide to the four. It, it's not the – I mean, if 
we had a coach that would send the devil on the post up because it's a slower uh, possession. That'd be cool. But I, I don't I don't really fear Zach getting beasted by like 10 dudes. It's more like a very specific amount of players because that that post up game really isn't as popping as it once was in the NBA. So we have very inconsistent small forwards in Evan Turner and Mo Harkless and a plethora of bigs who can be productive or have potential. Why hasn't Terry moved Aminu over to the three and either started Collins or, I mean, before they move on late, Vonley was an option as well. Um, Ed's been getting amazing minutes as a backup. I'd love to see him stay there, but it just seems like we're not getting that production at the three. And we have more of this, you know, we're talking Collins and he's only 20. The only way to get better, I think is to play. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great call. I mean, I did like what the team was doing when Evan Turner started. Like he, they, they played really well when he was starting. Um, and I don't, you know, Harkless has had some nice games and I think Turner's been hurt. He's like on a minutes restriction, I think right now. Yeah. And I think also too, maybe some of what we saw tonight is, you know, the Blazers have, they were playing pretty well recently, but I think it's happening a lot of places, especially, you know, the Blazers didn't make any trades. Like they didn't get any new blood in the team. Like they, 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 I think they're just really tired. Like I think the whole league for the past three weeks has been like, I mean, you saw, I think I felt, I felt this way when all the teams started getting in all these fights with each other. Like there was a fight like every night in the NBA. Like I think, I, I think guys are worn out right now because the season started two weeks earlier and they're and and they're like the all-star break is way longer and that's great but i think part of maybe what we're seeing here too is is just like a little bit of that mental fatigue i think i think guys just really need to get away because because the start of the season has been pretty hard i mean they they stretched it out but there's it's still all that time absolutely yeah like they did stretch it out but i there is more time in in between games portland won't won't play until valentine's day wednesday so they have two full days um most of the road trips i mean i think there's only been a couple of back-to-backs uh yes this was the third game in four nights for portland but again they're in a stretch where if they're serious about making a decent playoff seed they need to start performing because they're not like the Warriors where they can sit guys and still win or really not give a fuck about their seating because they know they're going to win home or away for Portland. You get blown out in Detroit. You nearly blow a 17 point lead against the hapless Hornets with like six minutes to go. In fact, you need overtime to get that one done. Dame has to go 50 points for you guys to, you know, to really feel comfortable in, in Sacramento and now the Jazz, without Ricky Rubio, without Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson via trade, just come in and absolutely handle you at home. And at the time, they were under 500. So I just don't know what to make of this team other than they're inconsistently consistent. Isn't that what we've been thinking for, like, the year, though? Ain't it changed. But they do this where they win, what, three or four games in a row, and then they go on that road trip and they get handled by Toronto and Detroit. They blow a 16-point lead against the, the Kyrie-less Celtics. You would, I mean, these are the games you, you got to win. And, you know, the West is just like a sardine can right now. You've got the Timberwolves, who have 24 losses at four, but then 
the Thunder, Blazers, Nuggets, and Pelicans, and Clippers are now separated by two and a half games, fifth through ninth, and the Jazz are, they've won nine in a row. They have 28 losses, so they're two back in the loss column. So five through 10, four through 10, really, is is up for grabs. And when it's this close and, and you're playing a divisional team, I, I just didn't like the energy that Portland came out with. Um, I do agree with Eric. I do think guys are getting tired, but I mean, that's just, you've only got eight quarters left until you've got this nine, nine day, nine day break. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately for Portland, you've got the golden state warriors, you know, staring down that barrel at you as your last obstacle before your vacation. And Which- yeah. This could either go really well for Portland or just absolutely abysmal. Would yeah. you have rested Damon CJ uh, during that blowout? Absolutely. Terry Stotts, he is so stubborn. A reason that I'm not on the, the hype train for, for Terry. The, the, we were down 25 points. Like, look, let's be, like, let's be real. It's not happening. Dame. Like I said, we're in the midst of a three games and four nights. Dame just put up 50 against Sacramento, and now he, he was carrying the team. He did not get a breather in that second half until he went uh, to the bench with like a, sec, a minute to go in the game. I think that is a really reckless way of coaching, especially when you're coaching a 500 team. Like your superstar, your franchise player is nearing his prime. Let's not waste precious minutes when we're down 25 points to the Jazz in fucking February. Like, know when to call it off. Yeah, I, I was totally, you know, the thing is, I'm saying that, but I definitely was like, during the Kings game, I was like, put him back in the game. Like, get him to p- score 70 points. <laughs> like, I, I, I like, I, I want, I like, I was, I was so like, knowing that I just did that, I'm not going to get mad at him for uh, trying to salvage a game that seemed pretty unsalvageable, but uh, you know, I was mad at him for not, you know, doing the overkill and having Dame go back in to try and at least get to 60 on Friday. So, um, you know, but I, I liked that he had 50 in 29 minutes like he, CJ and Clay are now the three guys who can really hold that crown. So I was I was kind of holding that as a badge of honor as a fan. I, I didn't uh, want him to go back in just because I was just to be able to say you dropped 50 points and under 30 minutes of action is, is pretty ridiculous. Now, obviously, if the game was closer, absolutely go in, let him take control. But Dame, what, he's 87 points over his past two seven quarters, really, because he sat out the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, 89. I think he had 39 80, tonight. 80, 39. So 89 points. I really feel like we don't deserve Dame. Like the Blazers right now, we need, Neil Wolshey needed to get him some help. And I know he came across really polished in all of his interviews post trade deadline, but you know, I've heard that spiel one too many times. Uh, I don't care that we stayed out of the tax. I don't care that we saved Paul Allen money. He is rich beyond his wildest dreams. And to see the team not make a move to upgrade. If you're Dame, you're almost just like WTF. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what are we doing? Uh, I mean, you know, you know. I think that puts the pressure on for this summer. I mean, I don't know what it is they can do if there's a draft day move out there, uh, but I definitely do think that this turns the you know a little bit more pressure on. I think it just you know it kind of sucks though. Like, I mean, I think the reality of it is 
is that nobody wants the the contracts that the Blazers have. Like, if they, I think if they could have gotten a trade even to get off of that without having to give up like a first round pick, I think they would have. You know, oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I, 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 it's not no. And I just think I just think it sucks. Like, it kind of like sucks to continue to come back to that point. But like it just it just sucks, and I like I'm not like saying that like Neil Olshay should be given a break because he's the one who created, who's gave those guys those contracts. But they're also it's, just they're also just I mean they screwed themselves. They did, and then you look at the Cavs who kind of turn water into wine with a lot of their moves, and yeah, no, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, Ronnie yeah. Ronnie Hood got got just for for Jay Crowder. Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. Obviously, we don't have an underperforming player who was a former MVP candidate in Isaiah Thomas. And we don't have a Brooklyn pick, which made it easy to trade our own our own pick. So they did have assets at, at the ready, but they still were willing to take on salary. And I just I think yeah. Portland is kind of the word I'm looking for delusional if they think that they're going to be able to play the traditional NBA game in terms of general manager, where you let these contracts expire, you know, you, you, you're, you're almost playing money ball. You're being really savvy with the cap that that doesn't work. We were the closest 18 years ago when we just went all in, we were saying, we're going to pay the, the highest salary. We're going to take guys on and it's not the smartest way to do it, but if you're a small market team who has shown that they cannot sign free agents, to me it just makes the most sense. If, if a guy like, obviously I'm not saying we needed a George Hill, but if Rodney Hood, George Hill, you know Jordan Clarkson are available, I feel like we, we, we could have made some of those moves. Yes, it would have cost us in luxury tax. I absolutely know that, but I just don't know what mid-level free agent, if Portland is able to even get a mid-level free agent or any, use any of their um, TPEs, it is really going to help. I think, you know, maybe you could have acquired a draft pick by taking on salary. I just think that that's Portland's only way out. If you're really committed to winning in the short term with Dame and CJ as, as your, you know, your Batman and Robin, you kind of have to think outside the box. And can I, can I just say, I was expecting you to come talk about the, the 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 trade deadline with like the heat of 12 killer mike versus just because they traded your boy they traded noah vonley your beloved power forward you know what both my mom and olga when they found out were almost just like fuck that guy not noah but neil it's like why, <laughs> why would you like you get him for a guy whose rights neil said was no, never gonna come over um and they gave him money too Obviously, I know he had no value around the league. I'm not delusional in that right. But we were eight and three when he played over 20 minutes. He flourished alongside Nurk and vice versa. And it was a, we were able to move Aminu over to, I think, his more natural position of the small forward where he could still stretch the floor. He also is able to match up against the guys who give us fits like Anthony Davis and Blake Griffin. Um it's kind of baffling to me that if you knew all along you were going to trade him, why bury him along uh, at the end of the bench? So I know a lot of it had to do with Ed Davis playing well, but it just seems like there's too many, you know, what ifs for Neil. I, I've been, you know, a fan of Olshay for a while, defended him pretty much it feels like every other week on this podcast. But after that deadline with not getting anything done, um, he's got to get to Stefan at the end of the season. 
yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would like to see him do another draft because, I mean, Collins ends up, I mean, I think he ended up being a pretty good pick. He wasn't Mitchell, but I think he ended up being a good pick. And I think they made a call. It sucked, but, like, I think they made a call that, if if you know Collins, you know they have Collins and Swanigan. Like I think those two guys ultimately were a hedge against both Nurkic and Vonleh not working out. And if they were scared to pay Vonleh money or whatever, and I think the problem that with Ed Davis is that Dame, like basically said, like you cannot trade him. Yeah, and I, I agree. O'Shea like, like is, is one. Yeah, I mean, Dame, that, that's, that's Dame, too. So it's like he's trying to keep Dame happy. And then he also, like, had to lose, like, the return on the Batum trade. So he basically just yeah. took the L on that. And O'Shea, he does do a good job of drafting. And I wanted other players at 10, but, you know, Collins did have some potential defensively. And, you know, he's super young. My problem with that trap was Caleb Swanigan. And I'm not going to say take Kuzma because I did not want Kuzma. I did not yeah. see this coming yeah, from him. Nah, nah. So Kuz- that's Kuz- out the no, door. Nobody, nobody knew about Kuzma. Yeah. But you spoke of Jordan Bell. I think he has more of an ability to play in today's NBA. Swanigan, I don't think defensively he's going to be able to play. Ooh. And then you, you take two, you know, power forwards – because I think Zach may be a long-term center, but I think right now he's a power forward, and Swanigan is definitely a four. Um, see, see, but I think I, I think your point that you made about Swanigan just now, I I think he could be. I think he's more of a five. You know, because he's he not be that because he's that not that quick. Ball. He's not that quick. Yeah, he could yeah. be that wrecking ball for when that that beastly center is. You know, giving Zach some problems. We put Biggie in to match him for size. But I, I think that draft was really, if you remember that that series with the Warriors, we had like one healthy big. So I think that that draft was like we're never gonna not be understaffed when it comes to bigs. I think yeah, that had we, to be we've a, always needed wing help. Yeah, but I I, I think on 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 the flip side though too is like what what Sage is just saying. Like, I don't think you can be. You don't. They don't have the wing. The wing personnel in the league like doesn't exist to like be like Golden State. No, like no. Like, like trying to be like Golden State, like you only so many teams can do it because there's only so many talented wing players out there. So you might as well be good. And this is one of the things I was really disappointed in tonight with the Blazers, is that they have to be a great rebounding team. Like they have to own teams on the glass every single night. Like if you're gonna get these guys, and you are investing in big guys, they have to own the glass. And like if you're gonna be playing against these teams that have a bunch of small guys, you have to own the glass. Like you cannot give up anything there. And I think maybe Swanigan. I mean Swanigan is a good rebounder. Like that's like the one thing that you can definitely say about him is yeah. he's a good rebounder. But oh, and he's got he's got good vision. Uh, he played well at Purdue. He played great in summer league. Like he has a very high IQ. I just think to if he was drafted 15 years ago, we would be saying we got a steal in the draft. I don't know. Like we were talking about Dream uh, Hakeem Olajuwon being able to transcend eras. I don't know if Swanigan would is is he he's going to be able to play in today's NBA? Just perimeter defense. Like if teams are spreading the floor. Um, I don't know. Hope, 
hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he can play, and hopefully Zach Zach turns out because that's what Portland really needs. And we've talked obviously it's a Blazer podcast, but you do write for LeBron Wire. We've talked about the Cavs. What were some of your reactions as you saw trade deadline day unfold, and as we saw the Cavs Celtics match up this Sunday on Paul Pierce retirement night? Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the Cavs? Are they going to repeat as Eastern Conference champions? I mean, tonight they looked like they would, or t- this afternoon. You know, they. I mean, it's only one game, so that's ob- the obvious caveat. But I mean, it looked like it just a, it looked like a comp- it was a completely different team. Like they, all those moves they made, I was so the first one I was like, ah, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and they gave up a first round pick, like. What are they? I don't think they can do anything now. And then the Rodney Hood trade came in, and I lost my mind. Like I did not like. <laughs> and and then and then they also got Hill in that deal, mm-hmm. and all they had to give up was Crowder, Dwayne and Wade, Shump. and Shumpert Shump, 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 and Derrick Rose. Yeah, and yeah. Shumpert's contracts like ten plus mil, so they like save some money off that. Yeah. I mean, they and and they ended up getting like a bunch of good guys, and they're all like long, like they're all long. That's the one thing they all have long arms. Basically, they're all athletic. They all try on defense, which is like, I think at LeBron's age, just where he is now, he cannot be counted on in the regular season to be like doing everything defensively. Like he needs guys that can elevate him on that end at this age. Like he's in his fifteenth year. Like he just not. You're just not doing the right stuff if you're asking LeBron to do everything. And, like, he had some help today. And I think that was the thing that impressed me the most about the Cavs was, like, the defense. Like, LeBron was, like, hitting the passing lane, and so was Hood, and so was, you know, all these guys because they had pressure on the ball. And, uh, I mean, tonight they looked like they would repeat for sure. I mean, it, obviously it's a long season, but at the same time, it's, it, it's not that long anymore, actually. Like, there's only, there's only 27 games left. So was this a soul crushing defeat for the Boston Celtics? I think it, I think it was a definitely like, uh, man, we thought we had these guys because they beat them by 24 uh, like five weeks ago. And then, you know, the Cavs were basically in shambles and then they come in here and beat them by 22. Like that was I, I was super impressed. The deals blew me away. And then uh, to see the product on the court was also incredible. And it also was weird, too, because LeBron obviously looked energized, but, like, JR had a pep in his step. Tristan Thompson had a little bit – it looked like, seemed like he had a little bit more bounce. You know, like, it was like the whole team – and I think the the starting Jetty Osman, the, the kid from mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Macedonia, also helped. Like, they just have a bunch of young guys now that can run and gun and, like – it made LeBron look younger. So why did Isaiah Thomas, last question on the Cavs, why did Isaiah Thomas, that experiment, not work in Cleveland? Same with Jay Crowder. I don't think that Thomas elevates LeBron in any way. He's just not a complimentary player to LeBron. He needs the ball too much. He is too small on defense. He doesn't, at, at LeBron at this stage of his career, doesn't have the energy to have to make up that for that much like slack on the defensive end that you have to give 
IT. And Crowder, he just he didn't make shots a lot of the season. That hurt. And I he just wasn't very consistent. And I do think like his his quote tonight about a system, I think it was a little bit of shade towards the Cavs because they don't really have like a traditional system because LeBron is the system. But I I do think he it was also an admission like I need to be in a system like I need to be told like I need to be in a group of players that are all like moving in the same way. I can't just be like I can't just read one guy. And I think I I think the the other guys that they've dropped that they brought in like George Hill, I think, said it, you know, the best is that like LeBron doesn't like expect a lot. He just needs you to try really hard and hit shots when you get wide open shots from him. Like if you just knock down the shots that he gives you and I, I don't think Crowder was a good enough shooter and or or did anything else with the ball. Like he's not a particularly great finisher. He's not like a create your own shot guy. And and, and I think uh he he fits well in a system where everything is predictable and I think LeBron needs guys who are a little bit more live wire like that like like JR like JR can just do something out of nowhere and and, and can just kind of go with the flow and it like plays freely and I think both Isaiah couldn't play freely and I think Crowder needs to be in a system where he knows exactly where he's always going to be and I think the maybe playing I, I just don't think playing with LeBron is I think it's not as easier to get used to, especially when he came from like Boston, where and Boston and Utah are kind of very similar. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's why those things didn't work out. Um, but I think I think things are working out for I think all parties involved now because like Crowder looks like pretty good in Utah. It looked pretty good for the Lakers, and the Cavs looked really good. What was the one deal? of the trade season that kind of left you really either really surprised or scratching your head. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Cause kind of all the, 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 the Rodney hood deal blew my mind. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously the Portland trade was just whatever. Um, but I mean, Stu and I said he is, a pretty handsome guy so our cuteness level on the team went up so yes that's always a good thing definitely uh that that, def- <laughs> that definitely added something i'm trying to think yeah. I, I mean i guess alfred payton getting yeah for, for the second for the second round pick was was interesting um uh, and actually the thing that that actually surprised me the most was the deal that didn't happen was that tyreek evans didn't get traded i know bro that's how crazy. do you bench a guy and say it specifically to trade him and not trade him. Uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty. How, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> how inept do you have to be of a franchise? I mean, I know Memphis likes to go through head coaches like nobody's business, but I mean, this is it's pretty. This is pretty damning. Like, I, if I'm an agent, I am not sending my client to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean they they botched that in a way. I I I don't think I've. Could you ever remember that happening before, where they like pulled a guy out for a week? saying they were going to trade him, and he doesn't get traded. Well, at least they did it with Miritich, but Miritich was traded the next night. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Th- that's what, like, I don't, I've never, like, any, for a week, like, they, they said that they're going to end it. There was a bidding war, 
and all that stuff. Like that that was like it was like the Tyreek Evans like bidding war was going on. And it was going to help them tank too, which is like they're trying mm-hmm. to get the first pick and now they have a guy who's helping them win games and they're not going to buy him out either. I don't I don't quite get it. Uh I'm actually really excited to see who gets bought out. Yes, like, that the buyout season's going to be real. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Well, didn't Joe Johnson go to Houston and Bellinelli to Philadelphia? Yeah, but I think that I think there still could be I mean March 1st is like the deadline that you have until guys get bought out and I think like there's a really good chance that you know, veterans on a bunch of these teams could be like, mm-hmm. hey, like, I mean, Tony Allen's out there. Um, yep. Like, I, I think that is is going to be a really interesting market because it's funny because did you guys see that Kendrick Perkins, like he tweeted. Well, no, he tweeted. He's like, I'm back. He had like a graphic ready and stuff. And, and, and then and then like the Cavs like. Be, uh, Joe Varden from Cleveland.com he reported like immediately after that he's like so I've heard that they're not actually going to sign Kendrick Perkins yet and they're going to wait for the dust to settle on, Ooh, on the buy that's a bum I thought he officially signed no no <laughs> like I think I think it was like there was like the wink wink like we'll probably mm-hmm. bring you in but then like like between someone but like between someone in the oh. front office and Kendrick Perkins's people and then Perkins like jumped the gun on Twitter saying like I'm back and then the Cavs GM basically said we're going to let the dust settle on the buyout market like I I read that uh, Dwayne Dedman could get bought out by the Hawks yo I would love him on the well I like him a lot yeah I, I was going to say the Pelicans but this is so no Port- whatever so Portland makes the move to get under the luxury tax from Olshay's interviews, it says like they do plan on paying the tax. They have quite a bit of free agents coming up in the summer, but they didn't want to start the repeater bill. If somebody comes on the market, I mean, obviously they have to have mutual interest. Joe Johnson wants to play for a contender. Portland is not there, but Bellinelli is a player who went to Philly. I, I don't think Philly this season has any better of a shot at getting out of the first round in Portland. Is Portland serious? Will they bring in another body that will bump them into luxury tax territory, but could get them maybe a seed higher come playoff time. You know, I, I don't see it. I think, I think, I think they're like, you just said what Olshay said, you know, that I think they're pretty, I think, I think this year they're just like, no matter what happens, we're not paying the tax this year. Like, what so about, which, so which if you're Dame, yeah. if you're Dame, He's been loyal more than I think really any franchise player should be. Um, what is there any part of you that's just like fuck this? Like in a year or two, maybe like I I need to get out of here. Like I hope that it doesn't come to that because he's obviously my favorite player. But I see him out there. He knows the games. I mean, he he probably doesn't know the games over tonight. But we're down twenty five, and he's still attacking Gobert mm. like it's two seconds left in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Like he played with such intensity tonight, and he's obviously fighting, and he doesn't see his team making any moves. I mean, obviously there is the summer, so there's a lot of time to do something. But for this year, you know, this is still one of his peak years. It seems like they're just ready to roll with the squad they have. Yeah, and, and and maybe I mean like yeah, I mean obviously I don't think there's any way if you if you're Dame you can be like you're gonna be happy with that. But if you have some kind of 
you know, promise from ownership that, hey, we're going to go into the luxury tax, you know, I guess that's good. But at the same time, like, are they going to go into the luxury tax again with the same team? Like, like what, you know, that is another thing. It's like, it's like, okay, great. They're going to go into the tax next year, but they are already probably going to be a tax team. Like, even if they just like pick up the qualifying offers on all these guys, like, and, and so then they're going to be in another, but then it's not the repeater tax. So I guess maybe that's the one thing that they can, that they're saving like 50% on every dollar. But like, it's, yeah, no, if you're Dame, I totally get why he would be pissed. You know, I mean, he's, he's in the four, in the you know second year of a five year deal right now. And, and, you know, I think the, it, after next year, if they're not, you know, if they're not serious and they're not making moves, I think that's when, that's a time where he would like, you know, he'd be pissed. You know, I think he would be very angry, like to the point of like maybe requesting a trade. I mean, I know he says he would never do that, but that's what guys yeah. always say. And mm-hmm. like, and like, and, and I wouldn't blame him. Like if they don't, do something after you know before this year and going into next year if the blazers after 2018-19 are no closer to being the level of team that he wants him to be you know that's probably when he he would request a trade probably i mean i, I, I at least i would imagine so he would at least have the leverage to do that and 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 be able and and it would suck but He's. I mean, he has every right to be upset if after next season and after this summer, you know, they don't do anything to get closer. And, and you know, if this year, fine, they, they're punting and they're saying, well, not, they're not punting. They're going to try and win with this team, but they're not going to add any salary to get above the tax. It's essentially it's essentially a punt, though, mm-hmm. because you for all intended purposes, if we strike gold or get lucky like we did in 2015 or 2016, excuse me, against the Clippers and you make that second round, you make the, the conference semifinals. That's definitely a successful year. I think if we're the six seater above, I think you can live with that. But also if you look at the standings, the West is not what we thought the West was supposed to be or how it was supposed to shape out. We've had, we've had injuries. We've had underperforming uh, squads and Portland's only four losses behind San Antonio for, for third we look at all of the games this year that Portland has just either blown or not shown up against a sub 500 team. And to be honest, they really should be either in the third seed or fighting for that. But there's been too much inconsistency. Um, the team just hasn't had the energy and intensity on a nightly basis like the Spurs do, regardless of who suits up for them. And so I think that's why if I'm Dame, I am a little upset because I don't think no player we could add outside of like an Anthony Davis makes us anywhere close to the Golden State Warriors. Like it is a Warriors league, and I think we all have to live with that. But if the goal is to possibly make a conference finals run, um, I think Portland is one really solid role player away from from being in that conversation. So hopefully they're able to add that in the summer, but it's not happening this year, and we're going to have to roll with the current squad. You know, maybe, you know, you just made the point about not being that far away from San Antonio. I mean, I I just I was looking at the standings here and I thought this was an interesting stat. The Blazers actually had the fourth best road record 
in the West. So, like, it's, there's such a – I think that's the thing that's the most frustrating about them is that every time, like, there's all these, there's all these like, really good indicators of, like, oh, yeah, you know, they're not only this far and they've been the good, on, good on the road and their defense has improved – and then they lose games like tonight, and I, I think it's maybe this is the 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 experience of having you know relying on a young team like and relying on Nurkic. I think you know I talked about not you know expecting him to be the third best player on the team, but uh, you know he's really inconsistent. And sometimes he can be an all star level center, and sometimes he is a no show, and that is is a drag sometimes. But also it's you know the Blazers are in. I think we're, you know, one thing I do want to say since we're like right before the All-Star break is that let's we should think about how the where this team was at this point not just last year but the year before. Like they weren't a 500 team even then. Like they 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 did not have it together and I think they're maybe not growing in the same in the way that they're like adding talent and taking on salary, but I do think they are. They have. I feel like this is growth. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it is a little bit of growth. Like it may not be like the, what we were thinking in the summer with either getting like Paul George or something like that. You know, getting in on that trade. But I think they have grown. Like I, I don't think the Blazers are in a spot where they're getting worse. And I think that is something important to remember is that they're not getting worse because and because and, I don't think there's I think David West had a great quote like five years ago now. And it's like there there in the NBA, there is no stay the same. You're either getting better, or you're getting worse. And I think the Blazers are getting better, even if it's not like been it hasn't been as fast, I think, as we'd like or as Dame would like. No, and you're right. We are at a better spot right now than we have been the past two years. My concern or question is what's going to be that lightning lightning bolt? Two years ago, it was moving Vonley out of the starting lineup, putting Aminu in at the power forward spot. Last year, it was obviously moving Mason Plumlee for use of Nurkic and Nurk Fever taking over. So I I just don't know what that that burst of energy is going to be for the Blazers uh, to kind of kickstart them because you were mentioning all these indicators and they're, they're good on the road we were bad at home now we're good at home and it's almost just like the, the they can't get over that hump and i just want to know what is going to be that that extra boost of energy as they you know really get into these last 30 plus games man i don't know i mean i, I guess i kind of sold it I sold it high at the start of the show, and I guess maybe I'll just roll with it. Maybe Zach Collins, like, you know, has a great finish <laughs> to the season. I mean, if there's one thing, you know, is that usually – I mean, Dame always finishes the season strong. Like, that is – you can always count on that. Um, and, you know, maybe Nurk has another good run. I mean, it, he's we've seen that he can, you know, get those – you know, layups to go for a couple of weeks. And, and who knows? I mean, like, that's the thing about this team is that they have a lot of guys who are super inconsistent, but if one of them gets going for a little while, it can get them, go- it can get the Blazers going for a little while. Like Harkless, super inconsistent, but he can have a run of a bunch of games where he makes you think that he could be that third star, but he's not really like Evan Turner, another guy who can like, 
carry you for a while, look really great. You know he's not really that type of player, but he can get hot for a couple of weeks and like be that extra guy. And I think it just the Blazers need to have those guys do that on a more regular basis. But I think the guy that maybe could has the most potential, I think, to like really make a leap at the end of the season is Collins. Like, I mean, he's not going to post anybody up, but if he continues to shoot the three, like maybe they do play him with Nurk. Like you said, maybe maybe they fit him alongside there and those guys play together more. You know, maybe that is something they go to to try and, you know, beat teams in that way. So uh, with, with with just a lot of length everywhere. So so maybe that's something as well. Uh, they have slipped a little bit on the defensive end, so maybe that's not a bad idea. Um, but I think th- that's the weird thing about this team is like, you can never count on any of these guys to be that guy for the entire season, but I think you just need one of them to be that guy every night. And, and if they can get some kind of – and Aminu, I think I think we should say, Aminu has been phenomenal all season long. Mm-hmm. Like that guy, they, what they really – and Ed Davis, phenomenal. They, they just need that fifth guy basically to show up on a nightly basis. Like and, and be consistent because yeah, Dame, CJ, Aminu, Ed Davis, those guys have been rock solid. But they need that fifth guy on a rotating basis, whatever it is. They need a fifth guy. They need a guy that shows up all the time. And uh, they don't really have it, but I think they, just, they have to do it by committee. And it's like not the sexiest answer, but it's like that's kind of the that's where they are. Like they're not adding anybody. They're not making any trades like that's but that's what you have to hope as the spark, I think. At Is there Portland, a chance Wade Baldwin, Baldwin could be that spark? Maybe CJ Wilcox, I think that's his name. Maybe one of those G League guys could be Sage, that. Sage, I have a better chance of winning Powerball than either of those two players <laughs> becoming that spark. I'm trying to be optimistic. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw names out there. <laughs> I mean, Shabazz, Shabazz also has been really solid this year. I, I think Shabazz has been great. I think they need to. I I really think what this team like. Obviously, they play Golden State on Wednesday, but I think they really just need. I think I think they'll probably be fresher after the All Star break. I just think I think every team will look better after the All Star break. But I think Portland with Dame and Stotts, especially after Lamarcus left, they've always done a good job of finishing the season strong. And I think when a lot of teams you know, start to, you know, get tired and stuff like that. The Blazers do play harder often than a lot of teams, even if it's not sexy. And I think that can add up to wins at the end of the season when, you know, teams may be out of the playoff race or or just kind of, you know, they're tanking or playing young guys, whatever. You know, like I, I, I do think, you know, the Blazers could just fall into some wins because they play harder. So you mentioned the Golden State Warriors. That is Portland's final opponent before the All-Star break where they will get nine days off. Do the Trailblazers beat the Warriors? And if so, it will take what for that to happen? Um, I don't I don't think they beat the Warriors because I think the Warriors maybe – Actually, you know, I think they do because I think the Warriors. Oh, shit. I think the Warriors are. No, because I think this is how maddening the Blazers are. 
Like that, this is so Blazers to lose to Utah mm-hmm. like they did tonight, and then they'll beat Golden State and make you believe that they're, you know, they could be a top three seed in 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 the West. Like that has been their season. They've been just super high and super low. So yeah, I think, and I think Golden State is kind of, I think they're tired. It's talking about talking about teams that are tired. Like I think I think Golden State is like. I mean, they're forty-three and thirteen. They still have the best record, but I mean, Steve Kerr has even said it. Like they, they're not, you know, and, and Draymond and all those guys are admitting it. Like they are, they're kind of worn down and they're bored. And like maybe they just want to get to LA for the All Star break and hang out and and I, I don't know. I, I think Portland probably comes out a lot more fired up than they were tonight and probably makes an insane win and then we all start talking ourselves back into <laughs> you know the cycle that's yeah, that's been this season cycle so i think it'll continue i mean right. that would I got, be i gotta hear would... dustin what he has to say if he takes a shot no no okay. i'm feeling pretty down about the team <laughs> right now I, I sat through that shithole of a performance only only saved by dame and ed had we had won, it'd been 10 straight at home, probably going for 11. And, and yes, it probably would be peak Blazers to beat the Warriors. So I, I give it I give it about a 45% chance of happening. But just the, every time I get my hopes up with this team, they just turn around and stab me in the back. So I think Golden State wins. The, we do win, though. If Dame can get 50, we'll win. And shit, that might happen. But... If that doesn't happen, Portland's not beating the Golden State Warriors. I, I think we we start out fast, and then Golden State gets their shit together and beats us in the fourth. But we start out real fast, real good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I mean they have to. I mean, if they don't, if they don't, it's gonna be ugly. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily see Portland making a big comeback against the Warriors, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it should be a good game. I'm excited for that game. I'm, I'm excited for the All Star break, though. I think it's going to be great. Oh yeah, I think it's going to be great uh, for everybody to you know get some time off uh, from from seeing each other, especially on you know on the team. And uh, I, I think it'll be good for all involved. And uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for the second half of the season. You know, the Warriors game is going to be great, but I think the second half of the season, obviously. It's going to be huge because, like you said, uh, Dustin, you know, this is a sardine. This is a can of sardines. Uh, in the West, you know, th- this is a bunch of teams bunched up against each other and, you know, a good two weeks could make a huge difference in mm. the seating. Before we wrap this up, Eric, uh, once again, thank you for joining us real quick. February 11th, ten eighteen PM. Where do you see the Blazers ending in the playoffs or do they make the playoffs at all? What seed would you predict at this current point in time? I think they end up where they are. I think they're. I think they're going to be the sixth seed. Like I, 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 I think Oklahoma City is going to be consistent enough, even though they lost Roberson and their defense took a major hit without him. Uh, I think Minnesota has done a really nice job all season long. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler really just takes them up to another level. But I think. Portland could easily be in the sixth seed and I get matched up with either San Antonio or Minnesota. And I think either one of those matchups, especially if Kawhi Leonard is not playing mm-hmm. would be, those are the best matchups you could hope for yep. if you're the Blazers. So, uh, yep. so, you know, um, cause I'm actually really quite scared of Oklahoma city. Like I, I, I think they're, 
like even without Roberson, I think they're just they're really good. Like they, they have so much length. Mm. They they like Paul George is insanely good at defense and everything else. And Westbrook obviously. Uh, I I I think Oklahoma City is like the sleeper team in the West. So I would I, if I were Portland, I would rather face the Spurs. Which, you know, you never want to say that because you always end up looking like an idiot. But <laughs> uh, if they don't have Kawhi and then the Timberwolves, man, they haven't been in the playoffs in like 13 years. Like that is prime. That's like Toronto reminds me of Toronto, like early in the Toronto, you know, arc, like some some lemon booty in Minnesota. Like I, I <laughs> like like there's going to be sphincters are tightening. And, and and I I could see that so so I, I think six six is probably where they end up and if they get Minnesota or the Spurs I think uh, they have a puncher's chance you know one thing breaks right for them in the series and they could they could do it uh, so I think they make the playoffs and make six seed that was my long answer perfect no I, I agree I think that the six seed as well and Sage it is ten twenty one. We've been going for a, a little over an hour, but uh, I think it's time to wrap up our Sunday night uh, podcast. Once again, thank you, Eric Gunderson, for joining us. Let our followers know where they can find you at. Yeah, y'all can find me on the Lockdown Blazers podcast. If you're listening to this on my feed, you already know that. Uh, but yeah, find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson and then also at LeBronWire.usatoday.com. Uh, Awesome. And for your listeners, you can find uh, the Holy Backboard podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, at Holy Backboard. Um, We're also on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram at Holy Backboard. Uh, Eric, once again, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure being on the Locked on Blazers podcast as well. Sage, any final words from you, my friend? Uh, I was going to talk shit about 2K, but I'll save it for our next podcast. There's some doozy stories. Uh, But yeah, uh, go Blazers. I hope we beat the Golden State Warriors. All right. Until next time. Thank you.